0: Discussion keeps the world turning.
1: This is Round Table.
2: You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Niu Honglin, sitting in for He Yang, joined by Josh and Xing Yu. Coming up on the second half of the show, from the surge of anti-sudden-death supplement packages inspired by South Korea's health-conscious culture to the growing fascination with traditional Chinese medicine among the youth, what's the real deal behind these health exhilarators? Are they genuine lifelines or merely another addition to our ever-expanding shopping list? Let's explore the world of late-night hustles, nutritional supplements, and the external quest for work-life balance. And in a world dominated by ratings from the jacket we snacked online to the hip new restaurant next door, it seems reveals govern our choices. But what if the spotlight turned to your former schools? Would you adore them with five-star ratings through the lens of nostalgia or lace your critique with a touch of humor? Join us to discuss school evaluations where report cards and nostalgia collide. Now... As Chinese millennials embrace this fast-paced lifestyle, trying to work hard, play hard, they also pay a lot of attention to health-boosting exhilarators to combat sedentary office lifestyles and late-night work. So what are some latest trends? Because we talk about young people taking care of themselves or pretending to take care of themselves, or at (laughs) least concentrating on the concept of taking care of themselves while working super hard, playing super hard and um, indulge their needs all the time or their desires all the time. Mm -hmm. Actually, there have been the discussion about different ways to take care of yourself quite a lot on roundtable. So what's the latest trend?
0: Yeah, so Recently, a trend known as anti-sudden death package has taken <laughs> Sound extreme. Yeah, very extreme has taken Chinese social media by storm. You know, this concept is inspired by South Koreans who are known for not sleeping much while taking a lot of supplements. <laughs> um, so I think in many Chinese people's minds, many of these South Koreans, they, for instance, attend a social gathering at one a.m. and then sing karaoke at two, and go home and sleep at four, and then. <laughs> What's more extreme is that they wake up at 6 to hit the gym and then hold a cup of iced Americano and energetically appear in the office. So (laughs) that sounds very stereotypical, but for many Chinese youngsters, they...
2: compliment, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> okay, so some Chinese youngsters, they have concluded that it must be the supplements they take ah. are keeping them alive. <laughs> have you heard of this reputation of
2: Korean people being super energetic, Josh?
1: Not any more than I've heard of any other culture being super energetic. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Not not so much. I feel as though many cultures often say this and then say the opposite about every culture, so...
2: Yeah, because recently here in China, definitely we've heard a lot about Koreans being able to do all these things without sleeping. (laughs) And that is probably the reason why the kind of supplement packages are getting the popularity among Chinese young
0: people. So, uh, fill me in. What exactly are in these packages? Mm -hmm. So these supplements include things like fish oil, magnesium, vitamin D3, and B vitamins. Some also include... Coenzyme Q10, a a type of antioxidant, and also lutein, also known as I-vitamin. So these These are the things that I
2: take or I took
0: when I was pregnant.
2: Oh, really? I mean, you do need certain kind of supplement when you're pregnant Uh to provide more nutritious to the little life growing inside you. But I'm not really sure if people without such situation (laughs) really need all these supplements. Can we take these kind of
0: nutritions from, I don't know, our daily meal? I think theoretically we do, but... Especially in recent years, we have seen a rise in sudden deaths among young people. I think that's why it it has caused a bit of anxiety among these young Chinese professionals. I blame the internet. We just started <laughs> to have
2: this information faster. Yeah. It's not necessarily the I don't think it's necessarily a rise in the rate of sudden death among young people. It's more like we get to this information
0: faster, mm-hmm. Nevertheless, yeah, nevertheless. So these young professionals, like, they often sit in the office all day long and sometimes they stay up late into the night so I think for them, these packages seem to cater to their needs of staying alive and they're also willing <laughs> willing to spend quite some money on them. Um, according to my research, if you consume all these six types of supplements that I mentioned in this package, like one pill each per day, it would cost around 2,000 yuan, so that's around $280 per year. And for some more expensive brands, that price can reach over 5,000 yuan per year, so that's 700 dollars. And um, according to uh, medical experts, actually the notion of labeling this combination as anti-sudden death package is fundamentally incorrect. There's no scientific basis in that. So sudden death is a medical condition, and these dietary supplements can can play a role in balancing your diet, but they do not possess clinical properties for treatment or prevention.
2: Mm, Apart from the false advertising part, Mm -hmm. I was wondering, Josh, are such supplements popular among young people in the UK, even though we don't, maybe not necessarily calling them the anti-sudden death package, but (laughs) at least these are supplements that people might feel it's good for their health. So is this kind of popularity or trend also the same in the west
1: well there's definitely a lot of similar trends i think that um, young people as we've discussed on the show before are seemingly much more obsessed with health trends than the generations before them including mine i think and in the uk things like plant-based diets are incredibly popular and i wouldn't say that this is exactly the same as health supplements but i think that there's a bit of a crossover here and a bit of a gray area because some of these plant-based diets They are advertised as sort of saving your health or saving you in some way. And the market seems to play on this idea of survival a lot of the time. But there's a lot of young people that are adopting plant-based or vegan diets. But this isn't just for health reasons. It's also for ethical reasons as well. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the supplements that you see also... Are ethically sourced as well. Um, An example in the UK is something called the Happy Cow app, which provides listings for vegan and vegetarian friendly eateries. Of course, I think other trends popular in the UK, in Europe, in the US, also in China, fitness and technology apps. If you go on a lot of these apps, these kind of supplements will, of course, start to pop up in your algorithm. They will have paid promotions within these apps and things like this. So This is also deeply connected. And also another one is mental health and mindfulness, something that we've spoken about on this show already. And this is also an increasingly popular trend, which again, supplements are also a part of this. And you will find a lot of supplements online that report to help you with mental health as well.
2: Hmm. I'm curious, do you think people are genuinely believing this idea that taking these expensive supplements would make me healthier, or they are a quick fix to my unhealthy lifestyle, or they're simply following the trend saying, well, yes, it's kind expensive, but taking these supplements would do no harm to my health, so I would try it anyway. It's the worst scenario is I spend a lot of money. It's not going to hurt. What if it works?
0: Yeah. So I think these packages, what they offer really for these young people is like a placebo or psychological comfort. Very expensive placebo. (laughs) (laughs) Because nowadays, it's quite common for them to like stay up late or work overtime they experience a lot of mental stress and they they stay maintain sitting for a long time and they lack exercise and they oftentimes order takeouts so i think these not so good habits have led to their physical and both physical and mental well-being being deteriorated compare with the previous generations. And these young people, they are getting more conscious about their health and they're willing to pay for like a quick fix or like a psychological solace for their well-being, I think.
2: Or do you think it's possible that they are not that well informed when it comes to taking care of their health? Because I follow these bloggers on mm-hmm. Actually Billy Billy. They are doctors, so they would share a lot of knowledge, common knowledge about medication, mm-hmm. about health maintenance, and they would say things like, Well, actually using certain kind of supplement packages would not help because you would not lack certain kind of element to the extent that you will feel mm. it on your body or in your daily life. And also, do you think people do not have access to such information or maybe they do not want to know these information or they do not want to pay attention or do their research in this regard rather, compared to simply getting certain health supplement packages so that they feel like they are treating their health more seriously. Josh?
1: I mean, it's quite difficult to get any statistics on this, on why people feel it necessary to buy them and how informed they are when they do so. But my feeling is that a lot of these supplements have to be reasonably harmless for for them to be on sale so easily and for anybody, almost anybody, to be able to buy them. And also... I think, yes, you may be right that many people probably don't have a deficiency in many of these things. And I'm sure that probably the effects of them, in my opinion, I guess this is pretty subjective, so I'll just give my opinion. I think that it is a bit more of a placebo effect. And I think that it is more a sort of contributor to a more holistically healthy lifestyle And that, you know, if you're the type of person, or if you see yourself as, or if you want to be the type of person that takes fish oil tablets regularly, probably you're going to start eating more healthily as well. And then you're probably going to start, you know, using that as part of your lifestyle. I, I imagine that few people, or I hope few people are using that in order to compensate for very unhealthy lifestyle habits. But I imagine that happens as well. And when it does, I imagine the effects are relatively harmless i mean it depends what kind of sudden death package we're talking about here most of the supplements that i've looked at that are available are mainly things like fish oil vitamin c vitamin d things like this um so yeah not that dangerous i don't think but again i am by no means an expert on this so my personal opinion on the whole issue And that's also, as you can imagine, how I take these things, which is with no knowledge whatsoever.
2: Yeah. And I think when it comes to this question, my answer or my suggestion to young people out there is that go to a hospital, (laughs) try to advise or get the advice from a doctor. Do some... Um, holistic body check if you do have certain deficiency about a certain element go get it from a local pharmacy it's really really inexpensive but When Josh talks about a holistic way of improving um, or having a better, healthier lifestyle, actually there is another new trend that is a surge in TCM interest among the youth. So a lot of young people are looking at traditional Chinese medicine practices, certain herbs, or just different diet to improve their healthiness in lifestyle.
0: Yeah, Um, actually, we have a recent survey that revealed the same trend of uh, health-conscious young people they are turning to TCM. According to this survey, 74.3 percent of these young individuals consider themselves uh, conscious of TCM health practices, and 94 percent of them have some understanding of TCM health concepts, and over 90 percent of them have had the experience of various TCM diagnostic and treatment methods. And especially for TCM health practices, therapies like scraping in chinese gua sha mm. and cupping ba guan and pulse diagnosis mai Zhen, were reported as the most commonly experienced by these surveyed young individuals i am quite curious josh have you experienced any tcm practices
1: well i've lived in china for uh, over 5 years so yes i've uh, i've i've experienced some and i i would even say that i've taken some things uh, although i still don't really know what they were supposed to do a lot of them and if they had any effect but i do think although this is probably part of a much broader conversation i do think that my opinion about it has definitely changed over the last five years and I i think more specifically about this this thing that you meant this concept that you mentioned specifically the holistic approach um which i think is incredibly valuable right this preventative sort of way of living or um, looking at illness as something more in the future that you can prepare for in this regard. And I think this more of the the sort of me- methodology in this way, I, I've started to appreciate a little bit more. But uh, so I've experienced it in this way. And I've seen, uh, I really love history and I love museums. And so a lot of the big museums here in Beijing, they have some exhibitions with some They have a section for TCM, right? And I I love going to those areas. They're some of my favorite parts of the museums to go to. So I've experienced it in this way, as a foreigner, as an observer.
2: Well, maybe I am biased, but this is where I grow up here in China. So I am exposed to traditional Chinese medicine since I was a little girl. So Mm. for me, eating the right food when you have too much yang energy, the hot energy in your body, eat some relatively cold energy in energy food that would give you the balance back. It's something quite natural to me. And also if the... CCM practices we talk about include the kind of exercise, for example, Tai Chi, uh, Ba ba Duan (laughs) Jin, this kind of Kung Fu combo that can be practiced by ordinary people as well. You do not really have to be a Kung Fu master to practice Ba Duan (laughs) Jin or Tai Chi. If you can include that in your daily practice exercise routine, it's definitely good for you. So, well, I don't see anything wrong about uh, (laughs) resorting to traditional Chinese medicine per se.
0: Yeah, but I I also find it quite surprising to see that because, you know, in my opinion, traditional Chinese medicine, it's something that the previous generations would prefer. But I think nowadays, many of of these youngsters, they are incorporating these TCM concepts into their daily routines. Mm.
2: I was wondering, Josh, in the meantime, there is a very interesting notion in mm-hmm. traditional Chinese medicine that is to prevent the illness. Mm-hmm. So being. so you're not ill yet, but by doing these things, you can prevent or you can avoid falling into such disease. Have you ever heard of this concept?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that most cultures have some sort of concept that's kind of similar, although maybe not a direct translation for this concept I- i've definitely experienced this in my own country and i i just think that that's the right way to do things it may be articulated verbally in a different way it may use different language but preventative medicine can appear in so many different forms i mean just by explaining it right now maybe you guys you can uh, disagree with me and tell me that i don't understand it at all but my understanding of it is that so many different things can be encompassed in this sort of preventative methodology, things like regular exercise, balanced diet. I mean, when you talked about certain hot foods and certain cold foods being appropriate, depending on whether you have certain types of energy in the body, although we may not say this directly in the English language, I still think that we have things like, you know, certain times of the day when we eat fruit, or if you're feeling a certain way to have hot soup and things like this, and Although they may stem from slightly different places, I feel like there's some similarity there. Please disagree with me if I'm wrong. I'm by no means an expert on this.
2: No, I think you're quite right. And I think at the end of the day, instead of taking a lot of supplements, the right thing to do is to have a healthier lifestyle. Mm. So final question for the both of you, if you have one advice or one tip you want to give to young people nowadays who feel like they're suffering from a burnout kind of workplace, as well as a very tiring, exhausting lifestyle, Mm -hmm. any kind of suggestions or advice?
0: Quit the job <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not quitting the job, but I would recommend have some regular exercises.
1: Well, I mean, I, I have to agree. I, I wanted to, I was hoping that you might say something else, but I can't agree more. I think that exercise is the foundation of everything. I think that when you exercise regularly, you also start to regulate your diet, you start to feel hunger, you start to burn off the excess carbs that you may eat, um, you start sleeping better, your stress levels are reduced, um, you start to make better decisions. It's like a snowball effect. Um, You know, conversely, if you stop exercising a lot, all the opposite things can happen quite easily.
2: Mm, Well said. So if you feel that work is a marathon and happiness or even sleep is a luxury, then I guess it's time to make a change. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, how will you review your old school? Let's share our love or loaves after the break.
1: Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West and understanding is the goal.
2: It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Neil Honglin, Josh Cotterell, and Xing Yu. Beyond the meticulously calculated metrics of faculty strength, researchability, and employment outcomes lies an often overlooked aspect of university life: the students. Innermost sentiments. Recently, a campus reviews activity on the Chinese internet has gone viral. With many people, students, and those who have already graduated, have left their comments and ratings about their schools. But before we take a look at some of their reviews, let me ask the both of you your you know personal experience, your personal review about your old schools. How would you reveal
0: your old universities? Um, for me, I would. Give nine out of 10. Ooh, quite high. Yeah, very high because I love my university. <laughs> but that one point was left out because there's no air conditioning in the dorm back then, <laughs> like 10 years ago while I was in college. So, but nowadays, I think these dorms do have air conditioning and they have been renovated with better facilities. But back then, I think, yeah, I, I think I would give a nine out of 10. Josh? Any air conditioners in your old school? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would, I mean, there's so many factors to consider here, but generally, I would give my undergraduate university also a nine out of 10.
2: Wow. For sure. So uh, when it comes to our old universities, definitely what we would be affected by this nostalgia kind of feeling. We would wear the we've already graduated goggle and it's our school and we kind of do not want to trash talk about it. But when it comes to university life, what do you value the most? What are the most impressionable aspects of a university now you can think of?
1: Well, for me personally... I think one of the most tangible things is what happens after university. Um, and there are many other important factors as well. But I think um, for me, it's not so much employer reputation, because to be honest, my undergraduate university was not one of the top, top universities in the United Kingdom. However, the teaching was so excellent that after I graduated, I was able to be accepted in a lot of the best universities in the world because I was able to do so well in my subjects in that university. And I put that down to the teaching quality there. Maybe I was just lucky. So uh, for me, I think teaching quality is absolutely number one. I think that the the style of teaching and how engaging the classes are and basically just how much you take away from that study and retain the knowledge you retain from it. For me, is invaluable. That's number one, even over university reputation. Another thing um, I think is also just the experience that I had as a, on a human level. So I guess things like my living accommodation quality, um, diversity on campus, um, having being safe and things like this, having a good experience there with my fellow classmates and just making some really lifelong friends, which to this day are still my best friends. And I think that we all mutually benefit from one another from that. And so for me, I know that's quite maybe a bit different from what the major institutions that rank universities may use as their categories. But for me, those are the most important things. And I've been to several universities, and I must say that some of them, although I won't name them, are definitely much more famous than my undergraduate one. I would rank my undergraduate one way higher.
0: Oh. oh, interesting. And for me, besides faculty and also school environment, I think libraries are also a very important key factor for determining or evaluating your school because library is one of my favorite spots in the campus. Also, during my undergraduate study, we have this big giant library, and there's a whole floor of foreign books, um, especially for someone in the English major. That's my favorite floor. And I would go check a lot of books. And that's when I came across this one book called Human Communication. And and I fell in love with that field. And that's how it kind of changed the whole trajectory of my later life, Mm. including me being here. So I think... That's uh, also one of the main areas that I would look upon when I choose a university, maybe. Well, both of your reviews are quite moving and sweet
2: and I would say objective. (laughs) Uh, But the reason that this kind of reviewing your old school is getting all these traffic people are talking about it is because students nowadays are quite playful when it comes to reviewing (laughs) or rating their old schools. They're giving all different kinds of reviews. Some of them are very proud of their schools, like the both of you. Some of them are making quite humorous critiques Mm -hmm. about their schools. Um, Can you give us some examples?
0: Yeah. There's a comment uh, which said that I have lived for 20 years and it's first time that I have learned that tomato, egg, stir fry is a meat dish. (laughs) So that's a... Unhappy one. (laughs) (laughs) It's to mock the canteen, but I think for today's young people, they really consider canteen a big part of their campus life so yeah and also there are also heartfelt reviews such as this is a university that treats students as human beings or things like the best principal in the world to express their gratitude for their school
2: yeah so for some not famous schools Mm -hmm. um, are actually gaining a lot of popularity and a lot of attention because of this old school rating kind of activity online. Mm -hmm. They started to be seen by ordinary netizens because they are giving a relatively more humanized and uh, sweet and uh, comprehensive experience to students there. And also some universities and institutions are being a little bit petty when it comes to old students giving them bad reviews, or even just constructive criticisms. And we would love to encourage them to strike a balance between acknowledging critiques and highlighting positive aspects of their institutions. After all, when it comes to our old schools, it's like our own family. We can say mm. bad things about it. But if others are dare to criticize my school, that is not okay. We all have the <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) for it we just wanted to be better and better and hopefully these institutions and universities would take the harmless advice and just provide better education experiences and better for five years of experience to the future students. Mm. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thanks, Xing and Josh. It's been a pleasure having you at our table. Until next time, keep the conversations going and the ideas flowing. I'm Niu Honglin. Bye for now.